It's the Jam Catch-Up with Janelle and Fitzy and the guys chat to singing legend John Wade ahead of his gig in Perth in a couple of weeks. Plus Chad Michael, who's one of the stars of RuPaul's Drag Race. He's also heading to Perth. Welcome to the Saturday Morning Show for everyone in Perth. The Jam with Janelle and Sam. Now, Fitzy, we've had some big stars on this show. We've had Olivia Newton-John... John mm-hmm. Farnham, but mm-hmm. the next guest we're going to have on the show is one that is really getting me quite excited. You can I see know. I'm fidgeting in my chair because down the line we have Chad Michaels, the winner of the inaugural RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, runner-up in RuPaul's Drag Race Season 4, and he's on the line. He's coming to Australia so soon. Good morning, Chad. Good morning, you two. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Chad, I, I wish Janelle had introduced you how she emailed me. Chad Flippin' Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when she found out we were talking to you, all the, the email back was, Chad Flippin' Michaels. Chad Flippin' Michaels. I just can't believe you're liking me to Olivia Newton-John. I'll take that any day. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, what I've always wondered about you is that a lot of drag queens go with unusual, quirky or suggestive names, funny mm-hmm. names, mm-hmm. but you've gone with your own name. That was obviously very important to you. Yes, it was. You know, it was actually, so I, I started drag. I had a drag name. It was Bridget Love. And um, I eventually went to Las Vegas to work at Lacage, and they required us to be introduced at the end of the show by a male name. So I actually just used my, my actual name, which is Chad, and my middle name is Michael. So I just added an S onto it, kind of like George. And we, <laughs> we just went, we went with it from there. Is it quite competitive, the drag name within the drag, if I can use a phrase, drag fraternity? I don't even know if there is one. But is it, is it quite competitive as to who can come up with the most creative and or suggestive name? Yeah, I think at this point it is. I think the more creative, you know, ear candy just makes it, you know, that much more exciting for everyone. RuPaul's Drag Race has become an absolute phenomenon. Like it's even on free-to-air TV on Australia now. Your season is being played on free-to-air this week at the moment. Uh, but what I've always... Wow. Yeah, it's incredible. It's become a household entity. But I wonder, do you think there are drag queens watching the show who think they can just rock up? I mean, you're a seasoned professional. You've been doing drag for years. You're established. You're a first-class artist. And there are a lot of young drag queens that think they can just <laughs> rock up in a dress. Yeah, you know, there's. I think there's just a small bit of a phenomena. Of, I almost liken it to, you know, the minions in, the, in the, the toy thing, waiting for the claw to pick them out and lift them up into celebrity. And, yes. You know, I think there's a, there, <laughs> you know, there's a small portion of the kids who see Drag Race as, you know, a quick way to celebrity and a quick way to get a platform to show the world what they do. And that's fine. But on the flip side of the coin, there is, you know, a whole array of, of more mature, more seasoned performers. And I think the casting at Drag Race, you know, is very careful about, you know, who they choose and how they put a season together. So, you know, everybody's got a shot, and that's a wonderful thing. Even the young'uns coming up, they deserve a shot too. So You are renowned for your exquisite costumes and wigs and makeup, and I wondered whether, because you're travelling so much, have you ever had your luggage go missing? Oh, yeah. You know, that, that always pops up once in a while. We, we always thank our lucky stars for uh, the airlines that deliver your bags to the airport. <laughs> it's, it's the biggest nightmare, but when it happens, you know, on the road, you know, the girls that you're working with always chip in. You know, they always offer, you know, lend you what you need to get through the show and you know you always make it i always i always kind of find it you know the fans are so wonderful that it really doesn't matter what you do they just want to see you and they you know they want to see you perform and you can convey a feeling even without your luggage i think if you're good at what you do 
So no last minute dashes to Kmart for Chad Michaels. <laughs> Is that where you shop for the year? Kmart, Target, wherever. <laughs> we love it. Well, hopefully your luggage will arrive when you land in Perth. You are performing as part of Drag Queens of the Stone Age from queer touring and events, and you'll be at the court, our very own court, on the twenty sixth of May in Perth. Chad Michaels, thank you so much for talking to us, and we can't wait to see you in Perth. Thank you, and I'm so excited to get over there to see you guys, and we're going to bring you a great show. We'll see you guys soon, okay? This is The Jam. He's one of the greatest solo artists of the 80s, I can tell you right now. He's from a super group as well, and uh, he is the lead singer of The Babies. This man has done it all. His name is John Waite. He is currently in Australia. Yes. He's coming to Perth on the 3rd of April, but at the moment we've woken him up because he's had his first Aussie gig. It was in Tweed Heads, and it's bright and early over on the <laughs> East Coast. Good morning, John. Uh, good morning. How are you doing? How's everything? Oh, very well. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to speak to you. And I don't say this lightly, Thanks. John. No holds barred. Missing You would have to be my favourite song ever about reverse psychology. <laughs> have you had your heart broken down a long distance line lately? Uh, not not recently, no. <laughs> I mean, this this could be it. <laughs> it's, it's, all done, it's all done via text message and Facebook now, isn't it? Yeah. I know, that would make life a lot easier, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, you're talking about Missing You, but yeah, it was a, a song about a phone call, really. So... Yeah, times have changed, but I think people are just the same, so it's all going on like it used to. You've had an, um, just an amazing career, and it still kicks, and it's flying along. You're selling out concerts and gigs all around the world still. But do you still, do you look back at albums like No Breaks and Ignition and, and just the success of those and just go, wow, you know, look, I dominated. I dominated in the US. Well, yeah, you know, when it happens and you get that kind of success, it comes out of nowhere. You don't, I mean, although there was a huge amount of work went into it leading up to it with the babies, you don't look at it like that. And, and um, when success comes, it sort of comes in like 36 hours. You go from being obscure to world famous overnight, that you don't sort of do it gradually. Um, I mean, one minute I was walking around everybody's favorite sort of obscure singer, and then I was number one, and I couldn't go out and buy cat food, you know, and it was like <laughs> wow. it just happened overnight. So it's a crash course in um, in the real world. You have to really hold on to your, your bootstraps and... Uh, do the best you can with it, and there's no rule book. You just get through it, you know? And just to give some context as to how big you were, uh, Missing You went to number one on the US Billboard chart back in 84, yeah. I think it is, uh, and it knocked off Tina Turner's What's Love Got To Do With It, which is still one of the, the biggest singles of all time. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, I don't know if Tina Turner really got over it because she covered Missing You a few years later. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, she did. I mean, I, I got to meet Tina uh, the week before I went number one. There was some big party at EMI in New York City in some restaurant, and there she was in the corner. And I, I wandered over and said, hey, Tina, it's, it's John Waite, and I've been a huge fan all my life, and... Uh, I'm number one next week. <laughs> and, uh, our eyes locked, you know, and um, it was a moment, but she was very gracious. Yeah. And I think she was just as happy as I was to be number one yeah. uh, for that period because she came out of all the trouble that she'd had with a previous, you know, the I Can Tina Turner thing, and she'd reestablished herself. And I'd gone to see a play at the Ritz in New York City, 
uh, about a year before, and she was touring hard and, and uh, playing small venues, and suddenly there she was. And I think everybody in the universe wished her well. And it was a weird position to be in, knocking her off number one, but I'm still a huge fan, and uh, she's a very sweet person, actually. She was very gracious. The Jam with Janelle and Sam. It's John Waite, who's headed to Perth playing at the Astor on the 3rd of April. Now, When I See You Smile was the big romantic ballad of 1989. I remember doing the couple's skate at my local roller skating rink to that song really? many times, many Scared times. Left. Absolutely. It was either, the, it was either the, the skating or the blue light disco. Absolutely, was... absolutely. But I wonder, do you feel pressure to write songs that are as romantic as that now? Well, I think as you get older, uh, I, I don't write for the audience. I mean, that might sound like uh, a weird thing to say, but I write for myself. And if it makes me happy, I'm sort of like, um, I'm thrilled, you know. I mean, I got all these hits like Isn't It Time and Every Time I Think of You and Change and Missing You and Back on My Feet Again and all those songs. And it enables me to just sort of like weave through whatever I want to do. And I've just released an acoustic album called Wooden Heart. So it's given me all the freedom I wanted to have at this point, to uh, live alongside everybody else doing their thing. But uh, it's great to be established. I mean, uh, these days, it's almost impossible to come out and establish a career because you're gone in five seconds. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful that I got all these incarnations in my life of what I've done and uh, for the success I've had. So so are your current romantic ballads more along the lines of when I see you bring me a cup of tea and a biscuit? Yeah, especially (laughs) a biscuit. I'm insisting when it comes to biscuit, you know, it's, uh, you know, ginger nuts, you know. And and I'll tell you what, that Ed Sheeran's muscling in on your your wedding songs territory too, by the way. I'm telling you. No, Ed's great. I mean, he's... uh, I got his first record when he came out. I thought he was a great singer. And uh, I just saw a, a video of him playing to like thousands of people in Australia with an acoustic guitar all by himself. What we're doing, the Wooden Heart Tour, is half acoustic and half electric. It's like an evening with, you know, and I tell stories in between it all. But uh, we're backing up a record called Wooden Heart Volume 2 because it's Volume 1 that came out like three years ago. So we've been doing this for a long time. And even before the first volume of Wooden Heart came out, we were going out and doing Unplugged Nights because it just felt better. And I was living in Nashville and playing with a lot of country people. And going back to New York City, you can't really plug in an electric guitar at 2 in the morning. You'll get evicted. So, I mean, it's like the acoustic has always been my first love. So we're working it into everything we do, really. It's, that's the game. That's what we want to do now. I saw back in the day in an interview with Bandstand, you said um, that, you know, you love writing music, but it's performing in front of the kids is your favourite thing. They're, they're not really kids anymore, John. No, but, um, no. uh, but does the buzz from performing live ever diminish? Not at all. In fact, I think it might have got better. I feel more at ease um, going out there. It's, I, I can't explain it. Uh, there was a time I was terribly shy about going out. With the babies, I got into the position at the end where I was the lead singer with just uh, the mic. And when we set off, I was the bass player that sang. And uh, that was a jolt. But I felt we needed to up our game and have a front man. But it was a terrifying thing to suddenly assume that kind of responsibility. And it took a long time to get used to it. And um, these days, maybe, I I don't know, I'm not as shy or I'm more going or I just know how to do what I do. Mm. But it's easy. You know, it's easy to go out there 
and perform now. So it's a real joy. And I'm sure you will be a joy to watch, John, when you are here in Perth for the Wooden Heart Australian Tour. You'll be performing at the Astor Theatre, which is incredible. It's such a great space to perform in on the 3rd of April. And you can get all the tickets and info at johnwaittour.com. Thank you so much for talking to us, John. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, God pleasure. bless you. Thank God you. bless you. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I'll, I'll be thinking about, you know, when I see you smile, I'll be thinking about skating. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Janelle and Sam, The Jam. Saturday mornings from 6 on Mix 94.5.